This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. Hi, this is Pastor Wanda Anderson, along with my husband, Pastor Benjamin Anderson, and we are with Solid Rock Christian Center in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and we are on the Voice of Leadership podcast with Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. Thank you for inviting us, Dr. Karen, and we really look forward to you listening to this segment. If you are interested in community work, in improving your community, and in partnering with other organizations and entities to do the kingdom work of rebuilding community, then this is the session that you need to listen to. Thanks for listening in. Today, I'm delighted to be back with Pastors Ben and Wanda Anderson co-pastors of Solid Rock Christian Center to learn more about how they do ministry at Solid Rock. I believe their approach is an innovative response to the needs of people in the modern world. Last time, we talked about the role of the Black church past and present. If you haven't yet heard that segment, then go back to listen to part one of our interview. When Jesus met people who needed physical food, he provided both the physical and spiritual food. What does that look like today in the modern church? How can ministry leaders meet the needs of the whole person? Today, we share and celebrate some examples from the Andersons. Let me again share their background with you. Pastor Benjamin Anderson Jr. grew up in Baltimore, Maryland, the son of pastors Benjamin and Martha Anderson. He is the second oldest of nine children. Pastor Ben has served in the role of senior pastor and has been associated with many different ministries throughout his military and civilian career. A Vietnam veteran, Pastor Ben retired from the military with a distinguished career and also has a very successful career in corporate America. Pastor Wanda G. Anderson is a native New Yorker who settled in Colorado Springs 25 years ago. In 2016, Pastor Wanda came to the Navigators, where she now serves as the Vice President of Corporate Affairs and Risk Management. She received her Juris Doctor degree from Regent University School of Law in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and her Bachelor of Arts in Mass Media from Hampton University. For the last 15 years, Pastor Wanda has served as co-pastor with her husband, Pastor Ben, who is the senior pastor of Solid Rock Christian Center. Over the last 15 years, while serving as senior pastor of Solid Rock Christian Center, Pastor Ben also founded two nonprofits for which he served or serves as executive director. First, Colorado Springs Music and Arts Center that provided free after-school music lessons to youth in Southeast Colorado Springs, and also Solid Rock Community Development Corporation, a multi-million dollar nonprofit organization designed to bring people and resources together to invest in and revitalize the Southeast Colorado Springs community. Pastor Ben, 
is leading efforts to restore Southeast Colorado Springs through building affordable housing, developing small businesses, and educating residents on how to increase personal wealth by owning property. Pastor Ben serves on the board of COS, I Love You. He is one of the founding members of the CityServe movement that started in 2015 with four churches and 35 volunteers and now has over 50 churches and approximately 3,000 volunteers serving the city of Colorado Springs. Noted for his community service, his collaboration with other agencies, and for his leadership in projects that address marginalized communities in Colorado Springs, Pastor Ben has recently been featured in the Colorado Springs Business Journal and on local news channels, both in Colorado Springs and in Denver. Pastor Wander brings over 30 years of multi-jurisdictional nonprofit governance, risk management, and compliance experience with bar licenses in New York, New Jersey, and Colorado. She describes herself as a justice midwife who enjoys writing poetry, motivational speaking, and providing women with educational and spiritual resources across generational lines, leading to personal and professional development. The Andersons have four daughters, Marcy, Alexis, Ashley, and Deborah, and 10 grandchildren. Pastor Ben enjoys riding his Harley and has ridden cross-country four times, Canada three times, and once to Alaska. He is also an avid sports fan, and he enthusiastically says, Go Ravens! Pastor Wanda's first book of poetry will be released in 2023. Pastor Ben and Pastor Wanda, welcome back to the Voice of Leadership and to Dr. Karen Speaks Leadership. Yay! Thank you! You are so welcome. It is a delight to have you joining with me again today. I'm just thrilled, Dr. Kern, that you have us back again. And I'm uh, looking forward to this subject matter today that I think will be very, very helpful to many across the country. Fantastic. I think it will be helpful to them as well. So I'm looking forward to what we have to talk about today. So let me start off by just mentioning that you came into Solid Rock Christian Center, a church that was already in existence. However, they were in kind of a slump and maybe a difficult place at the time when you joined as the pastors of that church. Tell us a little bit about what was your vision and your calling for this specific ministry. Well, thank you, Dr. Karen. When we first came to uh, Solid Rock Christian Center, um, it, it did require some quickening uh, because it, it just needed new vision and new leadership. So thank the Lord for that. We were always community activists. I've always been uh, a community person. I give my mother credit for that, who was a community activist in Baltimore. So that mantle fell on me as well. And I know Pastor Wander and her parents were also community-minded and leading different community events in their home. And uh, so we had that pedigree already. And I think um, coming to the church, it just required 
new vision. And our vision was how do we grow the church through serving our community and not necessarily worry about how many people we're going to have in the pews. Okay, so your vision was really serving the community and a bit of that community activism lens when you first came. And you yes. said the church needed some revitalization. Yes. We were in a school for seven years. And I don't know how many churches would stay in Egypt for seven years, but God had us there. And through that uh, relationship that we had with the school district, that kind of kick-started us in terms of community. We collaborated with the school district and served two schools um, by providing whatever that school needed, whatever those parents needed, we were the church and we provided it. It was because they had uh, um, uniforms at the time. So we provided them, you know, any child that didn't have a uniform, we purchased it for them. We provided belts because belts was a uh, requirement as well. So the church did that. So we served, we served the, um, the school district. And that started our collaboration in, in Colorado Springs. Actually, I love that story because what I'm hearing in it is that you had a, a vision for community service anyway, as far as the church went, weren't even necessarily thinking that your location in the school would be a place of ministry or service to the school. And yet God opened that door of ministry as well, which you weren't planning on yet you had an opportunity to step in and to add value. And that's just like God, you know, to do something a little extra. So. Yes, yes. You know, it was an old school and we, we renovated the auditorium, put in a brand new audio system, visual system. We left the school, we left it with them. We didn't take anything with us. So today they have a really up-to-date media system that the church provided for. Oh, that's phenomenal. It reminds me of the Girl Scout motto about leave things better than you found them. Found them. <laughs> that's just what I was going to say. That's been our mission to, to always leave people and places in a better state than when you found them. You know, I love that. I think, Pastor Wanda, you're aware of this. I'm not sure if Pastor Ben is aware of it or not. What I'm really about right now in terms of resourcing marketplace ministry leaders, that's those corporate executives who are really working on the front lines of corporations in the United States. It's about living that leadership legacy in just the way you talked about so that they leave the company and the people better off than when they started and ready to take advantage of the opportunities that are going to occur after that executive leave. So I'm delighted to know that you also have that as your MO, so to speak, too, in the church yeah. context. Mm -hmm. So I understand that you have a community development corporation, which was birthed out of the church. Describe the differences between the church and the community development corporation, and even talk about what is a CDC, because people may not know. First of all, a, a, a community development corporation was birthed out of the church. The church had these goals and missions of community activism and how do we serve the residents of our community and in, in sort of a tangible way? And how do we do big things in our community? 
um, because a lot of the needs in community are pretty large, to be honest. And, I, and the significance of this is that you don't have to be a large church to be effective. We're not a large church, but what a community development corporation does, it's another nonprofit legal entity that does the work that the church would love to have to do. So your goals of a church would be affordable housing. How do you own a food bank? Or how do you own property? How do you purchase property? How do you build businesses and put people to work? Those things can be done through a community development corporation, whereas through a church, it's more difficult because a church cannot receive grants. A church cannot receive foundation grants. A church cannot receive state grants. A church cannot receive federal grants. So you create a community development corporation that can receive all of those dollars and still do the work that your church would love to be able to do. It's just done through a different entity called a community development corporation. That's an innovative thought right there in and of itself. How did you come to that? Well, I, I must admit, um, this isn't anything new in, in America, in the, in the country. Pastor Floyd Flake in Jamaica, Queens, New York, is probably one of the pioneers and architects of a community development corporation. And so I went to his conference where he was teaching pastors about what CDCs can do and how they can be effective in community. I always knew that there had to be a vehicle that we could use legally other than the church. And I came away from that conference knowing that this is what we were going to do as a church. And so we created a community development corporation and, and uh, we're able to build affordable housing. We're able to own property. We're able to put people to work and we're able to do all those things that a church should be doing in a community. And I must say that's kind of what our focus has been as a church. This is my passion. This is what excites me. I'm just excited to talk about it. I must say Pastor Wanda with her legal background has significantly helped us in terms of being an organization. You don't, you, you don't have to have a legal person on your board or, but it helps. So um, we've been able to do some significant things uh, with our community development corporation. I love that because you're both bringing your gifts together and making it happen. So, Pastor Wanda, weigh in on this a little bit and talk a little bit about your legal background, how that came to bear and making this happen, and anything else that you want to share about how the vision of the church has been expanded through the Community Development Corporation. Yes, certainly. So, the conference that Pastor Ben mentioned took place in my hometown of Jamaica, Queens, New York. And Pastor Floyd Flake was the senior pastor of Allen AME Church. So there's the AME Church in operation again. And I grew up seeing the church expanding 
in the neighborhood. I would attend the church on occasion, but I also saw the programs that took place. I saw the veterans housing, I saw job creation, I saw food distribution, I saw park rehabilitations, I saw schools being built. And I didn't realize that it was through a community development corporation, I just thought that it was the church. It wasn't until we came back to Queens, New York for that conference that I realized that it was a separate 501c3 that was connected and, and birthed out of the church, connected to the church that was actually doing all of this community expansion that growing up I saw. And so I was also very inspired by that. And we were fairly, it was fairly new in our pastorate of Solid Rock that we went to this conference. And I'll never forget when Pastor Ben laid out this vision. It was a grand vision. It was very, very big. And he laid it out in the middle school where we were having services. And I began to think, oh my goodness, if, if we as a small congregation can accomplish these things, what else will God have in store for us? And so fast forward 15 years later, we stumble upon that paperwork and realize that everything that had been written down, like Habakkuk 2 says, write the vision and make it plain so that those who read it can run with it. We saw where God had fulfilled almost to the letter, everything that had been written down and things that are still in process that, that the Lord gave to Pastor Ben many years ago. And so I realized that my expertise in law, my background in law could help facilitate some of the formation of the separate 501c3 in terms of board governance, in terms of just um, corporate structure and the things that needed to be done with paperwork, articles of incorporation, bylaws, and just um, really developing a board. And so those things came into play and I was able to lend my, my areas of expertise and experience to that effort. And, um, and it's, it's been very beneficial and God has been faithful and good. Um, I went to law school at a Christian law school. Uh, it was a, a brand new law school. And it was a journey that um, I didn't realize that God would use to prepare me for life in Colorado Springs and life married to Pastor Benjamin Anderson. And so I was um, the only African-American in my class. And it was during a time when um, the, the divide between conservative Christians and um, more liberal Christians was very, very prominent. And so being in what felt like at times unfamiliar territory to me, as the only student of color in my brand new law school created avenues of opportunity for me to forge relationships with my white colleagues in a way that would serve me well much later on. Um, little did I know that it would become the, um, the MO of places where God would, would, would put me. And so I ended up from that experience being a pioneer in other corporate settings where they either never had in-house legal counsel or general counsel, or if they had, it had been years before, and certainly none of the organizations had anyone in that role who looked like me. And so um, again, the Lord provided successive opportunities for me to really segue almost seamlessly into predominantly white organizations, faith-based organizations, 
that then gave me the ability to understand the environments in which I was placed and also to help Pastor Ben navigate through some of the um, potential landmines of corporate structures that required some legal expertise when a small church that's multicultural, primarily African-American at the time, now multicultural, would be entering into um, conversations and discussions that required a level of, of business acumen and, and legal acumen to really move forward with some of the missional work that we've been called to do. You know, as I'm hearing your story, I'm thinking about Moses being raised in Pharaoh's house, you know, and I'm thinking about him, you know, being this this prince of Egypt, so to speak, and he's got all the best education and training of the land because of the role that God would have for him later and that huge leadership role for God's purposes. And as I'm hearing your story, Pastor Wanda, I'm thinking about you. You were that Moses being trained for the future that even you didn't know what it was going to be, but everything that you learned and everything that he allowed you to be exposed to, you're using it now. That's what I'm hearing. Yes. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, it, it was It was a divine setup. And little did I know that 30 years ago, I was being set up for such a time as this, but I give God the glory for it. Amen. You've both talked about the fact that because of the community development corporation, you've been able to purchase properties, you've been able to have jobs available for people. Tell us a little bit about some of the specifics. What kinds of jobs have you been able to create? What kinds of properties have you purchased and how has that further the mission of the church? You know, one of the things that I think is paramount, Dr. Karen, is what do you want to accomplish as a church and a pastor? Is it serving God's people or is it building a better kingdom of a church? In other words, do you want a bigger church, more people, more space, larger edifice? If that's what you want, then this kind of work is really not for you. Because this work has to do with how do I better the lives of God's people that's outside the walls of the church? And that's where your love and passion has to be. Because as a church, we purchased property. Now, mind you, remember, I told you we were in a, in a school for seven years. And then we moved to a, a little space for three years. So for 10 years, we saved money. And when the opportunity came to purchase property, we purchased five acres of land with a church on it. God, God story. I don't have the time to go into it. It's a God story. But we like, okay, what do we do with the land? Do we build a bigger church? No. That's not why God gave us this. He didn't do this to build a bigger building, a larger bond. So we just decided as a church, let's serve the community. So we went through different scenarios of what the land could, could do. And we landed on, let's build housing. We went on this three-year journey of planning to build affordable housing on two and a half acres. And so now 
We're building 80 units of affordable housing and we groundbreak next month. So two and a half years of planning coming into fruition. In a year, we'll be leasing 80 units to our community, which is the best. There has not been any affordable housing built in Southeast Colorado Springs, brand new in 20 years. We are the first church in our city to give up land for housing. Mm -hmm. We have been the example and now other churches are looking at the same thing. How can we serve our community with our land? You don't need a bigger bond. And now if, if it's income, well, now you got the income from your housing unit that you can do other things in the community. So the CDC built affordable housing. That was the goal of the church. How do we build businesses? We collaborate with Pikes Peak Small Business Development, which is in every city. There's a business development uh, nonprofit. We collaborate with them, give classes, get funding. By the way, find a great grant writer, a grant writer will be your best friend. So we found grants that support business entrepreneurship and you provide classes. After those classes, um, you find space for them in your community that they can set up their business and build it. So we've done HVAC business. We've done uh, food businesses, restaurants. We have a, a young lady who's starting a business with different oils and fragrances. And so we've done a, um, a lot of different businesses that we teach our community how to own a business, teach them about inventory, budgeting, all the, all the characteristics, parameters that go with, with owning a small business and you support them with some financial resources to keep them sustained. The third thing we've done is we've bought property and I would love to talk about this program called a community investment trust. It's where the community owns the property where they live. So you have commercial property you have investors that you have come in. You talk to many different investors, say, hey, look, help me buy this property. They purchase the property. They get dividends from it. But then you teach your community about financial literacy, budgeting, investing, how to own versus owing. Then they pay $10 to $100 into that property and they buy it back from the investors and now your community owns it. So you can have a hundred people own a piece of property and pass it down to their children. This is called generational wealth. How do we build wealth in our communities that are depressed? This is how you do it. You teach them about investing. You help them be 
owners of their own home where you can, as a CDC, you can be a HUD agency where you get the dollars that HUD has, you renovate the home, and now you sell it to your community and they don't have to jump through hoops like a bank. Now they work with the CDC to own that home. So there are many tentacles that a community development corporation can, can operate in that is the work and mission of the church. And the church does not have to use its dollars. The church uses its dollars for its own operation and the work of the Community Development Corporation, that work and those finances comes from grants, private donations, and fundraising. And you can do significant work in your community. This is what I say. You don't need to be a large church to do it. We're not a large church. We have 100 members or less. Let me yes. comment about this significant work because there's so many pieces to it that I think are remarkable and just amazing. A lot of churches might think of the idea of owning some property and possibly putting some affordable housing on the property. And you've done that, but you've gone way beyond that. You're educating people about finance. You're educating people about entrepreneurism. You're educating people about housing. And then you're providing the incubator space, if you will, for them to actually practice what you're teaching them. It's yes. not like you go to school, you learn something, then there's no place to apply those skills. You've actually created the environment where they can actually apply the skills too. So you're, you're really resourcing and developing the community and going back to something we talked about in the last segment, it's enhancing the dignity of each person who gets to participate in this way. Yeah. And, you know, this is something you can pass down to your children. And, you know, you can drive by the building and say, hey, we own that. We get dividends from it monthly, quarterly, because we, we are investors. And that's the beauty of it. You paid your money to invest in this. Now you receive the dividends from it. The investors who bought it initially, they're out of it. They don't get anything now because you bought it from them. Mm -hmm. So now it belongs to the community and they receive the dividends. Absolutely love it. And especially because you said there was no new housing created for 20 years in right. the community where you're located and you've come up with this innovative revitalization plan. And it goes back to your life in the school because you already had the heart to not only just benefit yourself, but to give back to those who were providing something to you. And you're still doing that just at a much larger scale, you know, right now. Yeah, I think the beauty of being in the school was that it made us very mindful of the generational work that we've been called to do. We had, while we were in the school, we had some of our church members whose students were actually attending the school. Yeah. And so we were able to see the direct impact on families of, of our ministry, our ministry efforts. And so it really made us even more intentional about understanding the role of generational work 
and how we're called to impact the generations. And we can do that very readily by being housed in a school and seeing the impact on the students of our ministry efforts as well. Absolutely phenomenal. So you've mentioned several times the partnerships that you have with other entities, other people in the community, and including, you sort of alluded to even some corporate relationships and so on. What else would you say are some of those partnership opportunities between corporations and between churches? I think it's important also to learn about the structure of your city government, whether it's county government, city government. Learn about the structure. Learn how the dollars flow into your county or into your city or community. Learn about community block grants, dollars that come that you can receive as a CDC to do the work you want to do. So go to some of these meetings and just sit and learn about or volunteer to be on a board that provides some sort of service to the community that the city offers. So you can learn the operations and learn where those dollars come from. They're yours. Those dollars that come into the city, that come into the county, that come into, they are your dollars. And we have to learn how to access them. And as, as community leaders, pastors, leaders in the church, um, those dollars can be yours to help you do the work that you need to be doing. So collaborate with the city. In every city, there is a community development division. It may be called by a different name, but it is designed, the dollars flow through that division that's supposed to come into your community. You can find access to those dollars. And part of it is learning how the stream flows because it's significant to know that so many HUD dollars come into your city that you may not know about. During COVID time, all these billions of dollars that came from the federal government eventually comes down to your city. And how do you access those grants? Collaborate with different organizations like your health department. Collaborate with not, not only your health de de department, but as I said, your community development division. Get to know your representative in your district or ward or whatever it's called, your congressperson whoever that might be, go to their forums. You have to be involved in your community. Know your leaders. Know other nonprofits that, that do the work you do and partner with them. There may be things that you want to get done. For instance, you may not have the instructor to teach the business classes. Well, there are instructors that may be in other nonprofits that do that work. Partner with them, pay them to come and do your work, your teaching for you. 
So there are many collaborative efforts that you can do with nonprofits that, um, that I think are, are, are very, very beneficial. And the more you collaborate, the more you learn about other opportunities that you can get yourself and your organization involved with that can be beneficial to community. So I'm really hearing that it's so important to keep an open mind to learn, to keep an open mind about seeing where the needs are and being willing to work with other people because you can't do everything yourself. Right. Whereas together you can do so much more than any one entity could do alone. And so, I mean, it's, it's so powerful what you're talking about. It, it's almost like when you scatter the seed in the right places of fertile soil, you're going to have a bigger crop than if you try to narrow it yeah. down some small patch and say, oh, this is just only for us. That that open-minded willingness to share and collaborate produces more, you know, for everyone is what I'm hearing. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, we just opened up a youth center two weeks ago, and we opened up the youth center with grant dollars, but it's the mission of the church. The church wants to address youth, and, and most youth don't want to come to the church. So let's go where they are. And so we opened up a youth center, not with the church's money, but with grant dollars that gives you the money to do what you want to do. This is the beauty of a community development corporation that's a legal nonprofit that you write a grant for a youth center and somebody says, okay, we'll give you the dollars for two years to operate it. So it's a God thing, but it's also your work and passion that you want to be able to serve your community. It's a God thing that also works through the existing structures of the society and the government. Like when I think about Queen Esther and you know King Ahasuerus's house, there was a government structure, but it was a God thing, you know, that yeah. she was there. You know, I th again, back to Moses, the same thing, Joseph down in Egypt, they were all working within certain structures. And even the Apostle Paul, being a Roman citizen, there were certain structures related to that. Mm -hmm. And so it's not either or, it's a both and, yes. and how God leverages all of that through his people. Mm -hmm. And you, you certainly are doing that, you know, in your ministry and your work. Absolutely. Pastor Wanda, what would you like to say about what Pastor Ben's been talking about so far? You know, the, the whole collaboration with other agencies and organizations is so vital. And I, it, it just, it, it's reminiscent of the apostolic movement in the early church, where you saw a lot of building and enterprise going on and ministry collaboration and community rebuilding and and so I, I see that there's a lot of opportunity for us to do that, not only between the CDC and the church and, and secular organizations, but there are parachurch organizations also that are in the city that can come alongside and be a strategic partner in these kingdom efforts, because that's what this really is. Even though there aren't government monies and public funds available to the church, as Pastor Ben outlined, it is done through the CDC, and it's still kingdom work. 
it's still work that we're called to do to repair the breach, to restore paths to dwelling, to ensure that we're looking out for the marginalized and the oppressed, that we're meeting the needs of community. And so that's really been a missional function of Solid Rock as carried out through Solid Rock in its limited capacity, but then also through the CDC in its expanded capacity in partnership with other organizations as well, including other churches. Phenomenal. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit. And Pastor Ben, I'm going to ask you to talk about your background in corporate leadership, because you've had some corporate jobs before you were pastoring this church and in your life. What did you learn in those corporate settings? What kinds of jobs did you have? How are those lessons serving you today? Yeah, I, I just want to read one scripture that speaks to a CDC. Sure. And it's Isaiah 61 and 4. It says, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations and deserted. So that's what the work of a community development corporation does. But, um, you know, Dr. Kern, from my days in the war in Vietnam, I was a medic. And so I've always been in spaces of taking care of people. People have always been at the forefront of who I am as a person. So growing up as a, as a kid, watching my mother um, have a care and share food bank in her house, in our house. So our house fed the neighborhood. My mother would go out and get food, store it in the house. People would come to our house two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, knocking on the door, asking for food. So I grew up like that. And then to retire from the military, um, be in environments where I was in the medical field as a respiratory therapist. And my work again is taking care of people. And then from that migrating into director of marketing for a Christian publishing company where Wanda and I first met. Once again, it was teaching people how to use biblical resources. Um, teaching the church, learning about the local church, meeting different leaders across the country. Then I was a director of marketing at, it was Cook Communications at the time. And then I was at a mail house and I was director of marketing at a mail house. So I learned a lot of marketing ideas and um, that kind of helped me now, but I would probably say that my passion for people has always been in organizations that I've worked in. And I really believe that if you care about God's people, then God will have favor on your life and you will do things in your life that you never imagined you could accomplish because you care about his people. You don't care about, as I say, as a pastor, Pastor Wanda and I have never felt 
that we needed a bigger church. Now, granted, you always have your ego saying, oh, you need more people. That's always going to be there. But then the Holy Spirit convicts you and go, no, that's not what I called you to be. That's not who I called you to do. That's not that's not you. Stay in your lane, Pastor Ben, Pastor Wanda, and then you will experience that he's able to do exceedingly abundant above all that you can imagine or think. And when we stay in our lane, God has proven that to us. And as you were talking about that, I was thinking about Gideon and how God was chopping down his little army of men. You know, because God says, you know, I don't need a whole bunch of people to do that because I've got all power anyway. Yes, I'm the one to the glory, you know, for what you're doing because you're not doing it. I'm just doing it through you, you know. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, it proves that it's not about the people. It's really (laughs) about God's work through the people. So, yeah, beautiful storyline where you talk about helping people. It's been in your heart all along. I remember when you were even you had the heart for the Special Olympics, you know, and, yeah. and all that work that you were doing many years ago as well. So you've always had that heart for caring for people who others might even ignore and not pay a whole Starting a wheelchair basketball team. In I remember that. Yes, I remember the wheelchair basketball team. So that's always been in you, you know, as long as I've known you for sure. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that. So Pastor Juan, I want to come to you because not only are you co-pastor of the church with your husband, you also have a full-time job with the Navigators. So tell us a little Mm -hmm. bit about your role there and tell us about the Navigators. Some people Mm -hmm. may not know who they are. Who are the Navigators? What do they do? Mm -hmm. And how is it that they also partner with those in the community? Yeah, so the Navigators is an 89-year-old ministry that was founded by Dawson Trotman, and it was really centered around life-to-life discipleship. How do you pour into the life of another person? What kinds of investments are you willing to make in order to usher someone into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and to make them then a disciple-maker of other people so that it's a generational work? And so the Navigators has ministries all over the world. We're in uh, numerous foreign countries, as well as um, having operations in 20 major cities where we, we probably have several different ministries within those 20 different cities. And we're on about 300 college campuses with our collegiate ministries. And so the work that the Navigators does is pretty broad and expansive. They have a church ministry, they have a neighborhood ministry, they have a workplace ministry, they have collegiate ministries, they have um, what's called the 20s. So for those who are recent college graduates, um, there's a ministry to that particular age group. They've got an international student ministry for students who are coming to this country from overseas, and they desire to do ministry work either here in the U.S. or going back to their home countries to do ministry. We also have a ministry called Nations Within, and so that ministers to the immigrant populations embedded within urban centers within the country. And there's just, it's a vast, vast ministry. I didn't realize how broad it was until I came to work for the Navigators. They also have businesses. And so they have Eagle Lake Camps, 
which has campsites all over the United States, as well as a local camp here in Colorado Springs and a residential camp in Colorado as well. And then they've got NAV Press, which is our publishing arm, and that produces numerous resources. And then there's uh, Glen Erie, which is our retreat and conference center and better known as the castle over in the uh, wooded area not far from our headquarters location on the same campus. So it is a very, very broad and expansive ministry. I've been with the Navigators for six years, and I serve as the Vice President of Corporate Affairs and Risk Management. And that is technically the in-house legal department, which serves both the traditional legal side in corporate affairs and then the risk management in corporate insurance and safety um, matters for the organization. And I'm also positioned to be a strategic partner in the operations of the Navigators, as well as furthering the mission of the Navigators. So it's a little bit more than just being general counsel. Um, there's lots of opportunities to, to really speak into the missional aspect of the organization. And I serve on various committees within the Navigators and have numerous speaking opportunities with the Navigators as well as training opportunities, mentorship opportunities. Um, I lead the legal department, which is comprised of a paralegal and an office manager and a risk manager and our intellectual property specialists, our contract specialists, immigration specialists, um, child protection and safety, as well as um, just the overall risk assessment for the organization. So. It's, it's a pretty broad job. I wear a lot of hats, um, but I've got a great team and God has blessed me with a wonderful team of, of workers and, and skilled experts in their particular areas of expertise. So. And at work, you're also able to wear both hats, just as in the church, you have the legal hat and you also have the pastoral hat, so to speak, in both yes. places, as far as the mission yeah. work that you're also doing with the navigator. So again, God is not wasting anything in terms of your yeah. experience and your preparation, which is phenomenal. And I'm so glad to hear about that. Earlier, Pastor Ben, you talked a little bit about your home and how you had the food bank in your house. I want both of you to think about what you actually are bringing from your childhood backgrounds. What did you learn in your formative years that's playing out today as well? I think, you know, one of the things that our CDC does own now is a food bank. So we, we serve probably 700 to a thousand families a month, but you know, Christ even made this statement, you know, you will always have those in need around you. And he also says at the end, you will say, did you feed them? Did you clothe them? Did you visit them in prison? So I think what I've learned, and, and by the way, you know, we both grew up in church. So church is in our blood from being kids. So we've always had that spiritual nourishment as children growing up, you know, Wanda and my upbringing is not a whole lot of difference in it, to be honest. Both families, I mean, she can speak to this, both families were like the spiritual household, um, was Coley's household spiritually, you know, looking at New Testament, Paul talked about Coley and Deborah, 
in the community, we were the spiritual household where people came. Out of that in itself kind of taught me, you know, this example of what it meant to be a light in places that are dark. And it kind of said to me, you're the person that is being called to do this. So accepting who I am as a kid, as a child growing up and accepting that mantle today, I think that's what my childhood kind of led me to is looking back at all of it is it's okay, God has chosen you to do this work today from a very young age. Now go do it. It just prepared me for who I am now. Excellent. And how about you, Pastor Wanda? What would you add to what Pastor Ben just said as far as your own? Yeah. I would I would certainly agree with Pastor Ben's comments. Um, growing up in a a blighted area of Queens, New York. I saw a lot of, of disenfranchisement growing up. And um, I did not grow up as a wealthy, uh, a person in a wealthy family, but I saw my parents as community servants. My father helped to found a church in the Bedford-Stuyvesant section of Brooklyn. And it was a very challenged and depressed area. And so I saw his commitment to, to that particular community, as well as to our community where we resided in Queens, um, just investing and, and discipling and mentoring and being not only a mentor to the next generation, but also investing in their own generation and just seeing where they poured themselves out for the sake of ensuring that people were always left in a better place. Than, than when they were found. And so that was modeled for me very, very early. And watching my parents do ministry together in the home and then doing ministry individually in their own context, it was a gift to, to me and to my siblings. And I, I call upon that. I tap into that often. Just knowing that that what was deposited into me as a little kid, whether it was purposeful or whether it was accidental is something that I continue to benefit from. That's phenomenal. Now, people listening to you today, they could mistakenly imagine, they've heard you say you both came from humble backgrounds and they know you're doing a phenomenal work for God now, just based on the story you're telling. What I know is that whenever you're doing a phenomenal and great work for God, it's not usually a straight line function. There are some challenges. There's some struggles along the way. And so what would you share? And, and you know, just give us an example or two of what's been difficult getting to where you are now. You're telling the success part of the story, but there's the backside of the desert part of the story, too. Well, the backside of the desert story was I saw this, um, as, as Pastor Wanda said, I started the CDC in 2007 and it folded. And because I couldn't get it off the ground, I didn't have the capacity, the work, the church, as the church, we were doing stuff, community stuff, but as a CDC, it was totally different, totally different organization. It wasn't until 10 years later that everything went boom where God opened it up 
2017. And when he opened it up, everything flowed. God opened this up for us and gave us a million dollar grant to start it off. You had to persist. Yes. And you had to wait. Yes. And not give up the vision. Yes. That's a lesson in and of itself. <laughs> okay. And not give up the vision when others fail to see the vision. And helping people to dream bigger. That's been a challenge. Because I think, especially for communities of color, dreaming is not even on the radar. Surviving is, but dreaming is not. That's not a priority. And so being able to convince and to encourage people to dream larger, that's been a real challenge. But yet, in spite of that, the Lord has continued to allow us to forge ahead, even with small numbers of visionary people. Sometimes you only get a visionary or two in an assembly and yes. about the prophets of God, how they're speaking all kinds of vision from God and nobody relates to it. And they still have to prophesy what God said, in spite of the opposition and the dull of hearing and everything else. And eventually God brings it to fruition. And then those who couldn't see it's like, oh, okay, that's what this was about. But they didn't see it, you know, at the time that the visionary saw it. Yeah. We were in a, in a school, seven years, every Sunday, taken down, putting up, taken down, putting up. God just told us to keep persevering. And I don't know if people want to have the patience to wait out for the appointed time. That's a the vision is for an appointed time. Yeah. Wait on it. For it will surely come to pass. Mm -hmm. It's going to happen. But are we willing to wait until it happens? I must admit, yeah, I'm telling a success story. But, you know, there were times where we felt like, okay, is this ever going to take Are we ever going to get out of this school? Are we ever going to have our own place? Mm -hmm. And when, when other churches, other pastors, people were getting their own building, was it ever going to happen for us? And so the encouragement to those who are listening, who are leaders and pastors, stick with it. Don't give up. You know, it's for an appointed time and it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And I'm an example of waiting on the Lord. And now, because I felt like we waited and was obedient, God gave us more than we could imagine or think or dream of. It came with a lot of trepidation and, you know, maybe it's not for us and should we just give it up? And yeah, all, all of that comes with it. Yeah. So it's not an overnight success. It sounds like it because of what God has done. Yeah, I've said to Pastor Juan, I was like, hey, did I hear the Lord? Did I really hear him? Because I don't see it happening. 
Well, you know, again, another another lesson from our life story and from this season of, of being in a global pandemic is that God will give you the promises and the vision. And it doesn't mean that just because people were with you in the season of promise that they will go with you into the season of fulfillment. And so when you lose people along the way because they have no vision, small vision, or because they don't understand the work that God is calling you to do, it doesn't mean that they are are bad people. It doesn't mean that they are naysayers and they're trying to sabotage the work. It just means that maybe they were not appointed to go with you in the season of fulfillment. Oh, yeah. And yet they served an important role. I'm thinking about Moses and Aaron. Yes. They didn't go into the promised they land, didn't go into but the they promise. led the people right up to the door. Exactly. Of and then others were appointed to exactly. go on the journey into the promised land. So that's such a really important point that you're mentioning. I'm going to segue a little bit past the one. I want to shift gears and say that I know you've got the poetry book coming out and that it's going to be out next year. Tell us a little bit about the book, what your dreams and intentions are for it. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah, the book is really a conglomeration of about 15 to 20 years of poetry that I've written and just kept under wraps. I've been writing poetry since I was eight years old. And so this is just really my life's work. And it's, it's a snapshot of my life's work. And so it'll be a book that centers around the experiences of my life being a Black woman. The working title, although I don't know if we'll, we'll stick with this, depends on what my publisher says, but the working title is called My Soul to Keep. And it's, um, it's about justice, Black womanhood, pain and loss, and um, just the the different seasons that we find ourselves in. And so I'm, I'm hoping that it's a book that will really be relatable to broader audience, not just women of color, but I think women of color will certainly identify with a lot of what's written in it. And so it comes from a, a, a deeply personal place as well. And so I'm, I'm still seeking the Lord about um, which of my collection should go into it and, um, and how much of it should be saved for another volume. Wow, just to have a body of work big enough to have another volume is a blessing <laughs> in and of itself. When the book comes out, be sure to let us know because we will certainly promote that and we'll mention it on The Voice of Leadership and Dr. Karen Speaks Leadership. And please tell us again how to get in touch with you guys and where to look for the book when it is ready to come out. Okay. Yes. And I, I'll get the information to you about um, the book's release date. And then um, Pastor Ben can give the website information and then the website for our CDC is solidrockcdc.com or srcdc at solidrock. And my email address is benanderson at srcdc.com. Great. Thank you so much. And I know both of you have already shared a lot of words of wisdom what additional words of wisdom would you like to share before we close today? 
I just have a scripture that is always I remind myself of. Jeremiah 29 and 7 says, And work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. Mm-hmm. That is a perfect scripture for how you live and what you are doing. Absolutely. Absolutely perfect. Anything else from you, Pastor Wanda? I think that's a perfect way to, to end this, this discussion. I love that scripture. It certainly fits to both of you for sure. So let me just say a couple of things that, and thank you for being here. I really appreciate you joining me for our second segment. And I'll remind my audience that if you have not heard part one, please go back to hear part one where we're talking about the Black church from the past and also today and into the future and the role that it has. And you've already heard today the significant contributions that Pastor Ben and Pastor Wanda are making in today's world to build community where they live in Colorado Springs. What I'm hearing from them today and from you, my guest today, is this. It's about building for future generations, starting now, discipling people now, teaching them the skills they need for life, for life abundantly, because Jesus came that we might have life and more abundantly. Thinking about more than just yourself. It's not about investing so much in the physical buildings just for the purpose of the church, but it's really lifting up people, lifting up communities, elevating their possibilities and what they can become and what they can do. You're resourcing them to be contributors to God's kingdom as well, to use their gifts in powerful ways as they go forward into the future. So I thank you for the work that you're doing. And I want to end on another scripture that reminds me of you as well. And that is from Matthew, the sixth chapter, and starting with verse 19. And it says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So thank you for prioritizing the treasure of God's people. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Karen. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.